If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. One of those people is Dave Sparrow, the president of Actor National. That's the union representing performers all across Canada. How's the Sparrow? He's fantastic and wonderful to be sharing the uh, microphones here with uh, Catherine Swift for the for the first time. It is. Well, Catherine there you go. Swift. He's doing your job, John. Yeah, I know. I don't even I'll have, have to introduce you. No intro you. necessary. Although uh, he hasn't given you props for uh, the things that you've done on your CV. You're the former president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and current spokesperson for Working Canadians. Catherine, I'm going to start with you because I mean, uh, as the former CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business on the campaign trail, Andrew Shear is promising to uh, cut $1.5 billion in corporate subsidies, but he says he'd rather uh, earmark money and help to small businesses. It depends how it's done. I, I mean, I'm always a fan of cutting corporate subsidies, so that that is a good thing. Uh, $1.5 billion is a good start, but nowhere near. Usually in, in any given year, 8 to $10 billion is a minimum for corporate uh, uh, you know, corporate welfare, basically. Uh, so I guess it depends how he does it. These, I know he also talked about these regional agencies that dole out money, and they are just slush funds. Get rid of them right from the get-go. So th- th- that would be positive. Um, and, of course, for the small business sector, corporate subsidies don't go to small businesses. They go to big companies, bail out incompetence at the expense of those who are paying taxes and staying in business and therefore being competent. So uh, it's, it's a good direction, but, again, I want to see the nitty-gritty as to how exactly this is going to help small business. A level playing field is really the ideal. And I know that's, it, you know, we're not in a perfect world, but to get as level a playing field as possible for all businesses, mm. same tax rates, you know, and so on, uh, that would be the, the perfect outcome. You know, it's funny, when you talk about regional development, they call it, and slush funds, when uh, the Liberals, for example, will go with the checkbook in hand down to Atlantic Canada, and it's not an accident that they sweep the entire Maritimes with all 32 seats. Yeah, because it's just doling out left, right, and center, and uh, this is maybe uh, being more precise in its application, which Shear is proposing here. Now, to Catherine's point, maybe $1.5 billion is, you know, just the tip of the iceberg, and he could do better than that, but it's a start, would you say, in the right direction? And earmarking the funds for small businesses specifically, David? Well, they have a lot of icebergs in the Maritimes, John, mm-hmm. so um, if it is the tip of the iceberg, uh, hopefully it would grow. Um, but, I, but I would say that Frankly, uh, over 50% of workers are employed in small uh, to mid-sized companies. And so if we can uh, help small businesses to uh, be uh, more robust and employ more people and uh, perhaps uh, raise their standard of living as well, the standard of living of the workers, then that would be a a great thing. So seems like a positive move. Now, cutting off regional subsidies, on the other hand, there are areas of Canada that face some pretty severe challenges. And uh, so he's not going to win friends and influence people in those areas, but maybe he feels like 
Uh, he might as well not bother because they tend to vote for another party. But we have all manner of ways to deal with regional disparities, for example. We have transfer payments. We have different EI rules, uh, employment insurance rules in certain parts of the country and so on. I would argue a lot of those are very counterproductive because they basically, again, trap regions in the welfare trap and they tend to stay there rather than dig their way out of that. But I mean, I, I, he's only talking about business subsidies here, which is a, a subset of the overall kind of regional equalization programs. All right. Let me just move through a few of the other highlights from the campaign trail. Every day brings uh, new developments. Now, you've got uh, Jagmeet Singh, for example, saying every family making less than 70K per year gets full dental. And uh, after that, between 70 and 90, it's a copay. Uh, but it's a rather extravagant offering to the middle class, if you will. Dave Sparrow, is this justifiable? I mean, uh, can we can we afford this? Uh, well, I think it's justifiable, it's necessary, and in fact, it's going to be a cost savings. And I say that <clears throat> um, in terms of uh, my spouse uh, is, a, is an expert in the field in terms of uh, her work in uh, diabetes and heart health at uh, a teaching hospital here in Toronto. And dentists have the ability to diagnose heart issues and other medical issues very early in the process by seeing people's uh, mouth health. And uh, frankly, if we, even if it wasn't full coverage of all dental, even if it was just ensuring that every Canadian gets to visit a dentist at least once a year and uh, and have their uh, teeth and gums and other looked at, we will uh, save money in the healthcare system in the in the long run because we'll catch those things early. All right. So what he's basically talking about is a kind of a paradigm shift here that uh, dental is preemptive and uh, we're being proactive on the health front by switching over to dental care. Uh, Good investment, needed investment, uh, is it something that we can afford, Catherine? Well, I I think there's no question that uh, certain things can be identified by looking at your oral health, and and that's that's a good thing, obviously. I think the question, however, is how do we do it? Do we create another gigantic government program? And we know from other gigantic government programs, they only get more gigantic over time and more expensive over time. Uh, Or do we actually look at the segment of the population that is not covered now? And there is many... Uh, there's a lot of de- dental coverage at the provincial level for very low-income people right now, for example. Uh, there's an awful lot of private plans. And what often it's, be careful what you wish for here, too, because you, you get these big sort of overarching government plans, and I'd say the same thing about pharmacare here as well, and suddenly you find, as a consumer, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a uh, you know, a, a patient, I guess, in the case of dental, that, you know, a lot of the procedures you thought were covered aren't being covered. You sort of get a bare bones coverage. So I don't disagree that the notion of somebody, everybody being able to visit a dentist once a year could have, you know, very beneficial impacts. But why don't we look at the segment, which is a minority who are underserved, uh, not replace the plethora of private plans out there right now, which are pretty decent for, again, a good chunk of the population, not everybody, instead of putting in the gigantic uh, government program that then will be in place forever. And I think dentists, I, uh, you know, I think they would be wary of this as well, uh, of, of being part of, you know, the government, uh, the overall government, the government bureaucracy. Yeah. Well, all right, because, you know, pharmacare had been cited as well. Uh, this is something else Jagmeet is saying, pharmacare for everyone. And uh, But you said these private plans that are already in existence... People have gotten used to them. Uh, The companies they work for are on board. I mean, it's already built into the firmament. So why would we then uh, do these universal plans if we're going to, like, eliminate these private plans 
it's going to cost the public. I mean, wouldn't status quo being maintained to a certain extent and well, just looked after the people falling through the cracks? Exactly. That, that's what I think makes a lot more sense. It's it's more practical. It doesn't require this wholesale shift away from many, many plans that are working just fine right now. In fact, I would argue a lot of them will be better than if, if you had a mega uh, government program that will offer plain vanilla, uh, and that's about it. So, yeah, why not look at the people that are underserved, deal with that, and not have to disrupt the whole uh, apple cart? I I just jump in and say I don't think we need to look at uh, getting rid of the extended health care plans that exist within the pr- uh, uh, private offerings or that people get through their employers. Those are in addition to things like OHIP, for instance, is that you get covered for a semi-private or a private room. You get other other things. Part of your medications are covered, that, that kind of thing. When it comes to uh, pharmacare, frankly, we've been allowing the big pharmaceutical companies, most of them offshore, uh, to dictate... Uh, the costs that we're going to pay sometimes for life-saving medication, even when it comes down to things like insulin that a uh, diabetic needs in order to survive is the cost of that and the needles and uh, and the um, test strips and, and all the rest is, is a mammoth cost. And most people, well, anybody couldn't afford it on minimum wage. And certainly they would be uh, challenged even if they were earning a uh, you know, even a higher uh, higher wage. The the point I'm making is that pharmacare will actually save people money out of their pockets on a regular basis who have have health issues, and overall, it'll just um, greatly reduce when we're buying in bulk the cost to Canadians for that kind of. But coverage. we can buy in bulk now. I mean, there's nothing stopping us from buying in bulk now. Uh, in fact, a lot of the provinces have been talking about that for quite a long time that, and haven't quite got there. Isn't that a, a, a pharmacare plan where they'd have to buy in bulk? and then make the, say say we were talking about insulin, then make that insulin available through the drugstores to um, diabetics. Uh, an individual di- diabetic or a group of diabetics doesn't have the opportunity to buy in bulk now. No, no, no. So. But I mean, we already have, like I say, we've already got structures set up for all of these different things. And is there a way, instead of, you know, breaking the mold, which is working most of the time, and, you know, usually for over 80% or so of the people, uh, can't we just target where the, where the holes are in the system? And the notion of all these savings we're going to have, no government program ever gives us huge <laughs> savings. I'm sorry. They're costly to administer. You've got costly bureaucracies doing it. Uh, and, and so I don't, buy, I, I don't see that ever happening, unfortunately, with, with all these proposed programs. They're going to be a lot more expensive than they say. I guess they always are. Your, your ACTRA coverage, I guess, is uh, pretty gold-plated, isn't it, Dave? Well, it, uh, because we are actually independent uh, businesses, if you will, independent contractors who happen to belong to a, a union of independent contractors, then depending on what you earn, you can buy into um, our Actor Fraternal Benefits Society that was created about 45 years ago, and you can buy into certain levels of additional extended health care coverage. Yeah. I want to come back and ask you another question that uh, is relevant to the folks under your uh Heading ACTRA, uh, we were talking to our CEO and president yesterday, and uh, he wrote an op-ed piece in the, the Financial Post a few days back about how, uh, you know, all of these streaming services coming in aren't taxed, but they're killing the domestic industry. Uh, there are some pertinent questions I wanted to address now that I've got your ear. Dave Sparrow, president of ACTRA National, and Catherine Swift, former head of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.